This podcast is offered by Black Mountain Zen on the web at blackmountainzen.org. Our public offerings are made possible by the kind donations from people like you. Good morning. As I was coming out of my room, I could hear probably the TV in the room across the hall. And I couldn't make out the words, but I could hear the, the tone of the voice, which seemed like excited and emphatic. You know? and I was thinking, hmm, is that the story we tell each other? You know, is that the way we talk to ourselves? Excited and emphatic. Sashin is a process, you know, and um, in our usual life, we do the activity, you know, for whatever reasons and for whatever goals we're uh, moved by. But in Sashin, we're giving over to something. We, we engage in the activity and we give over to the consequence. Um, it's a helpful thing to remember, you know, because our mind in its way of formulating the news, you know, with its own emphatic statements will come in and define what's happening, whether we're succeeding or failing or whatever. Um, to let all of that be part of a process. Of course, we're all individual, and yet there's a pattern. You know, the first day, usually, uh, the motivation of what brought us here is still authoritative, is still influential. Then the second day, that starts to unwind. The world that brought us here, that sent us here, is, is not so adamantly present. This new world. This new normal. Jerry Bryan, the governor of California, you know, usually we, in California, when it rains, there's snow in the mountains, and then in the spring and the summer, the snow melts, and that's where the water comes from. And he had his, he had the TV camera up there on the top of the Sierras, and there was no snow. <laughs> and he said, this is the new normal. 
get used to it. <laughs> so this is the new normal. <laughs> the mysterious roar of the furnace. And in that way it stops and the silence is palpable and the crows and the songbirds uh, appear. Yeah. So yesterday I was talking about what I think of as um, the foundational attitudes of practice. You know, a willingness, a willingness to experience the experience that's already happening, to shift, you know, it's a shift from the goals or agendas that brought us here. that brings that willingness forward. Yeah. And then the foundational process of being in the body and connecting to the breath. Yeah. Another shift, a shift from the way in which we're so adamantly mental we're so adamantly involved in the process of our thinking and how our thinking constructs reality, constructs the present, the past, the future. And, and that disperses our attention as we go to that place, that time. And then can we stay in the body? Can we breathe into the body? Can we breathe everything that's coming up into the physicality of now? And then can we let that go? So we're, we're engaging in this primitive, visceral way of processing And in, in, in a very significant way, this is fundamental to the process of awareness, the body-breath. You know, in the early suttas, it talks about um, staying in the body as the foundation to awareness. In the body, in that sense, includes all the senses, the hearing, the seeing, the touching, the smelling, the tasting.
And as we're settling into Sashin, that requires a certain persistence because the energy, the momentum of being more in the thoughts is very strong. This great patience of just coming back and coming back and the skillfulness of not not either getting stuck in your thinking and then not suppressing it either. They, They both become their own destruction. And then I mentioned the notion of pause, notice, experience. As as the link between the mental activity and the body breath of now. Pause, notice, experience. Whatever it is, Notice, experience it, and let it be part of the physicality of now. And can that process just become the new way of being? And then as we start to engage that process, each part of it sort of opens up into its own subtleties. How thoroughly do we pause? Sometimes we pause and we notice the preoccupation. Sometimes we pause and we drop the preoccupation. Sometimes we pause and the activity of now becomes evident, palpable. And the noticing, sometimes we notice, oh, thinking about that. Sometimes we notice and what we're thinking about, it's almost like we can feel the weight of it or the intensity of it. Sometimes we notice its familiarity. Sometimes we notice the pattern of thinking that's involved in it. Sometimes we notice the the subjective nature of it. 
and then experiencing. So sometimes it's um, feels kind of superficial. Sometimes it feels ephemeral. It's like we can't just acknowledging it seems to be the extent of experiencing it. And sometimes we um, we feel the intensity and we feel the emotionality of it. That's what struck me about overhearing this uh, broadcaster, newscaster speaking. You know, I couldn't hear the content, but I could hear the emotionality. She was saying something important. No idea what it was. Actually, felt like an interesting way to listen to the news. <laughs> Forget the content, just pay attention to the emotions. <laughs> Here's a terrible thing. Ah, oh, yes, that's terrible. <laughs> I don't need the details. <laughs> I'll make them up. <laughs> I have my own version, I have my own repertoire of terrible. <laughs> But getting in touch with the subjectivity is, is, is very helpful. Because yeah. as we get in touch and acknowledge the subjectivity, then instead of our attention going out to the object, that so happens we're co-creating in the moment, um, as we see the subjective, um, then awareness of it is closer. It's less elusive. And, and of course the subjective is so amazingly multifaceted. Like modern science tells us now, we have momentary perception, fraction of a second, um, that conjures up a momentary response that sparks an emotion. The, the spark of the emotion is a fraction of a second. And then the concept follows and that modifies it, you know? Sometimes it affirms it and gives it authority and then it becomes more extended. Sometimes it modifies it and diminishes it. The flash of fear is modified by Oh, it was just a car breaking. There was no crash at the end of it. 
then sometimes that finds its place in our uh, in our world. It's given significance. It it finds a reference in our psychological makeup. And and then usually when that happens, when it has psychological significance, it it has a, a persistence. Stimulates a deeper kind of emotion, a more enduring emotion. And the challenge of awareness is whatever variety of experience you're having, can you make contact? It might seem like all that is a very deliberate, intentional process, but actually, as we start to engage awareness, it's more like it happens and it's met with attention. If the dominant experience is thinking, experience thinking. If the emotionality of it becomes apparent, experience emotion. If it's physical and visceral, experience that. And and it will be influenced by the state of mind quality of attention, receptivity. Um, But in the process of awareness, we don't have to figure it out. We give over to something and it, it asserts itself. You know, there's so many physiological processes in our being that they're not intentional, they happen. That's what the koan, what were you before your parents were born? Before the acculturation, before the mental processes, what, what is the element, the fundamental element of being? these processes of being human. So at its core, awareness is not something we we do. It's something we give over to because it's happening. Because as we struggle with it, we are... um, it's almost like we're trying to deny what is. 
when we engage it thinking that practice is about controlling it you know again uh, our very effort to control is just an attribute of what's going on and right in the breath we can explore that You know, we, we explore bringing attention to the breath and then usually for most people what you discover is actually you can't let your breath just happen. You, you either are not attentive or you're taking control. And, and it's, it's like the need to discover there's something in between. There's a way to be attentive and not have to take control. So one of the classic breathing techniques is you extend the exhale, you pause, and you let the inhale happen. And right there, in that process, there's something utterly profound about attending to being alive. The momentary firing uh, of our nervous system, of apprehending the moment, the momentary emotion, you know, it literally happens faster than thought. And then we chase after it and label it with some concept. The sign of the furnace. So each time we start a sitting, to remind ourselves of what's fundamental in the practice of zazen, the practice of awareness. Noticing, and then discovering that in how we extend the exhale and allow the inhale. We allow something to happen. And then yesterday I was talking about the five factors that support this practice. The first one being trust. Yeah. To allow this to happen we have to trust its okayness. It's okay to be here. It's okay to be what's happening. And it's okay to not be in control. And usually, 
we're not okay with any one of those. <laughs> you know, each one of them is its own journey. Each one of them is its own discovery. You know, you get the idea of the process, but then you have to discover how to do it, how to be it. Now is so ephemeral, elusive, um, and the past and the future seem so um, attractive. Could this be the only place where I live, where I am? Um, so we, we practice and we earn that trust, we create that trust. And amazingly, we do it just by maintaining the simple practice, the foundational practice. And, and these factors come forward. The challenge for us is as the stuff of our life, as the stuff of how we're conditioned into being who we are, as it comes up, that rather than taking us away from the process, that it just becomes part of the process. It's just another thing to pay attention to. Now, this memory. So the diligence of our engagement, it, it sort of crafts the, this trust. And we can literally feel the trust in how we let the body breathe. in how we hear the sound of the bells or the crows in how we just taste the mouthful of food we're eating or feel the cold morning air as we walk outside This is who we were before our parents were born. The background of that story is this um, great Buddhist scholar came to the Zen teacher and said, well, I've heard you have to practice, so I'm here to practice. But everything the teacher told him, he just 
had all his academic intellectual references about it and probably knew more about it than the teacher. And then eventually the teacher gave him this proposition impossible to figure out. What were you before your parents were born? I think the story says he worked with it for three years and then eventually had the realization around it. So trust. Conventionally, it doesn't make any sense. We already know that everything is what it is. End of story. But trusting it, allowing it, being part of it, it's a discovery. It's a discovery that then is foundational to everything we are, every relationship we have. It's foundational to how we formulate the world. And then the second faculty is persistence, engagement, energy. As I was saying yesterday, you know, we can't expect that the habits of the self just oblige us by shutting down. Th that their urgency, that their adamancy no. Now the news broadcasters always turned on. Most, of, well, not always, but most of the time. There's some important new news. Or if there isn't, there's some important old news. <laughs> Terrible things are happening. In the midst of that, we let the body breathe. We let the sounds be heard. We let the tastes be tasted. We notice, acknowledge, experience. the subjectivity of our being accumulates. And, and mindfulness, that medium 
of involvement you know, with its mysterious kind of spaciousness. When we let the sound be the sound, it's almost like it creates the space that it's happening in. It supports awareness, it supports attention. It supports engagement. It creates its own balance. When we see the emotion, then the emotion, when it's held with awareness, it, it has its own place. It has its own uh, authority, its own significance, its own teaching. Yeah. And as we practice in that way, <coughs> it influences the body breath. And as it influences the body breath, it's like we learn something about how to hold the disposition of mindfulness, of awareness, open, spacious awareness. I once heard Category Roshi liken it to walking, holding, a big piece of soft tofu. <laughs> I think I just like the ridiculousness of it. <laughs> and then the next faculty is where that becomes like an established involvement in what's happening. This kind of spacious abiding. And then there's a continuity of contact. There's a continuity of awareness. And then when there's a continuity of awareness, then it's almost like we sink into it. It's not so much about me separate as me becomes part of it. There's a kind of absorption into the moment. And when we have a palpable taste of that, it, uh, amazingly, it has all these positive attributes. The body and the mind feel charged with energy.
it has its own affirmation. And when we have a taste of that, usually we think, oh, I'm getting it right. I'm getting the desired result. <laughs> Finally. But the desired result is that we start to see any moment and every moment has that potential. Yeah. So as we, as we settle in Patience, because usually the second day has the discomfort of transition. You know, you start to see and feel the request of practice, but there's still a lot of urgency of the world, according to me. There's still a lot to complain about. <laughs> and you can watch your mind, you know, whether indeed it does complain, you know. Look at that person. Look how terrible they're practicing. <laughs> or complains about the whole setup. Maybe I should just leave early. <laughs> I have many important things to do. Patience. No. One aspect of patience is a willingness to suffer. It's like, okay, I'm in an unpleasant experience, just so. And then another element of patience is persistence, you know, okay, just be there, stay there. And another element is forgiveness. That person is just practicing the way they practice. This mind is just behaving the way this mind behaves. She said, when we're in awareness, the whole world is forgiven. 
just what it is. It's forgiven for not being a better version of itself. And that's how we breathe in. This patient breath. That's how we notice we were distracted and how we return to awareness. It's not a moment of failure to rush back to where you should be. It's just the moment it is. Yeah. In this deliberate tone to practice, just uh, steady noticing. Because the very nature of being willing to let the moment happen has its own kind of disruptive quality. It's like we're quickening the urgencies that we've been holding down in our uh, efforts to make this a manageable existence. And as we release that which has been held down will come forth. And as it comes forth, you know, especially when it comes forth in a more visceral mood, you know, you, 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 you might find there's a kind of a murkiness. Or murkiness to your state of mind or emotion. Okay, that's how it is. You know, just practice in the middle of that. Just stay with the basics. That's why the basics are so um, straightforward. You might discover in your sitting that your body aches in ways you didn't even know you had a body. <laughs> no. you, you know, intellectually we can say, oh, well, this is the, the psychosomatic expression of being as it starts to unwind. Hmm? Probably is. Huh? Um, but as we sit in the middle of it, it can be its own mystery. As, as the world that's held in place by my usual thinking and feeling is released, a more mysterious world emerges. And the more we let it emerge and pass through, the more fluid, the more dynamic it becomes. You might sit one period and feel heavy and stiff. And then the next period feel fluid and light. 
or you might notice that your own biorhythm is different times of day you feel one way or the other to notice and acknowledge and, and when we let the world become more fluid and dynamic um, it loosens up I sometimes think it becomes more childlike I have a three-year-old grandson and he has taught me a lot about being alive over the last couple of years he said to me we were working on something and he stopped and he said to me I feel afraid and I said what's it about and he said I don't know I thought wow that's pretty good Our emotions arise, you know, in a whole variety of ways. And they're dynamic, you know. And as we start to experience this, then there's like a genuine curiosity. like we're entering into new territory in, in an exploratory way. When we're in the throes of our repeating our habits, it's almost like we're boring ourselves. You know? Oh yeah, this one again. Um, but when that cracks open and something original and fresh and beginning is happening, uh, then it quickens our curiosity. Our, our, our attention is not some determined effort. It's some uh, impulse that just arises. And amazingly, all this is not the product of our determined intention. It's giving over to something. It's the diligence with which we let the body breathe in and feel it in our physical being. 
it, it's the willingness with which we breathe out you know and let that the construct of that moment fall away with the quality of a sigh And we can keep coming back to that simplicity. And as it gathers in all the suffering of our life, patience and compassion. There's no one in this room that doesn't have within them a suffering that could make them tremble. That's who we are. That's why we're here. You know? In innate within us, is the capacity for liberation. There's nothing that's needed that we don't already have in our being. We had it before our parents were born. Thank you.